Hello and welcome to the Women Advancing Live podcast. Here you can listen to the unique stories of the women who make live events a reality. These conversations feature talented professionals such as concert photographers, talent bookers, tour managers, and more. I'm your host, Lisa, a live events freelancer and aspiring tour professional. I hope to break down barriers for other women looking to work in the world of live music. In this week's episode of Women Advancing Live, I talk with concert photographer Preeti Shigotra. From small venues to huge arenas, Preeti has had the opportunity to capture the magic of live events over her five plus years as a photographer. She has worked with many clients such as Karang Magazine, BBC Introducing, Manchester International Festival, and more. She has managed to shoot for big name artists including Mariah Carey, Taylor Swift, Ed Sheeran, and Usher to name a few. You can follow her over on Instagram and Twitter at pshigotraphoto, and make sure to check out her work at pshigotra.com. Tune in to learn more about her journey as a woman in live events. Awesome. I'm so excited to have our special guest today, Preeti. Preeti, how are you? Hello, Lisa. I am okay. How are you? I'm doing awesome. Thank you so much for asking and just for giving your time to be here. I'm super excited to get to talk to you today. Before we get to the actual interview questions, I want to do some very quick icebreaker questions just to set the tone. My first question to you is what is your favorite concert that you've either worked or attended? Oh my God, so many. Um, It has to be Pink. I've not managed to shoot this one yet, but I've seen her on multiple occasions and she's just absolutely incredible every time. It's as if she gets better. I don't even know how that's possible, but she's incredible. You've seen Pink. That's amazing. Yes, about three or four times now. Yeah. Yeah, I hear she's an amazing performer. Everyone's just like, yeah, you gotta see her. Yeah, like even if you're not particularly a fan of her music, it's really entertaining. So she does like the Cirque du Soleil type stuff. So she's up in the air doing the aerial, flipping around, spinning, but she's doing all of this crazy stuff while singing live. And it's just insane to see, like, it's just so creative and entertaining. Absolutely amazing. Definitely see her if you can. We'll be on my bucket list for sure. My next question is, what is the last song that you listened to? Last song? Oh my God. So I was listening to Rihanna just earlier on. I can't think of the song right now, but it was on the Spotify playlist in the garden. (laughs) Oh, okay. (laughs) Love some good Rihanna. And my third question for you is, what camera are you currently using to shoot? So at the moment, I've just upgraded actually and added to my kit. So the one that I've been using up until now is the Canon 5D Mark II. It's like over 10 years old now. It's crazy. And I've just added the Canon 6D Mark II to my kit. Oh, okay. I've used Canon before. I really like that brand. Yeah, the brand is great. And the I think the interface, so the, where the buttons are and things on the camera... It's very user-friendly compared to some other brands that I've tried, but it might just be because I've got used to Canon. I'm not sure. So (laughs) Awesome. Thank you so much for sharing. Cool. So let's get right into it. First question for you is something that I noticed is there's no one way to break into this industry, especially doing concert photography, but I want to know how you got your shot 
So yeah, like you say, there's no one way of doing it. You can literally carve your own path. It's one of those sort of industries. Personally, so I was working at Apple quite a few years ago now. And at that time, there was a lot of creative people around me. So videographers, photographers, and there was a chap called James. And he was a photographer at the time too. And we started to talk about concert photography because I used to go to concerts a lot anyway. And he, I don't know, it came up in conversation about photo passes. And I think I was just like, what, wait, what? Like, what is a photo pass and how, how does that work? And then following on from that conversation is when I sort of thought, oh, this would be fun. Like, didn't think anything of it at the time. Just thought, yeah, well, I go to concerts and I've got a camera, put two and two together type of thing. And then I requested a photo pass I think like one of the first shows was Brendan Benson's show and it was at Academy 3 which is a small sort of venue in Manchester and yeah that was one of my first photo passes and then I started shooting just local bands unsigned artists at the music venue so we're quite lucky in Manchester we've got a lot of you know it's a massive music scene so I just started to reach out to the venues and the bands directly and just sort of pitch to them like you know if you want a photographer at the show Obviously, I didn't charge anything because I had no idea what I was doing. I was just like winging it a little bit. But that's how it sort of started, just by accident, really. Wow, that's awesome. So did you ever have like an interest in photography before? Yeah, so I've always had like, you know, little point and shoot cameras. And again, I never used to think anything of it. I used to go to concerts, take pictures and stuff like that. But to be honest, when I went to college and university, I kind of studied creative side of things. But it was never positioned to me, the fact that you could make money from something like photography. So it's not something that had come across necessarily. But then when I got a SL, a digital SLR camera, I got it for birthday gift. That was when I started playing around with it more and started, you know, practicing. And then I just kind of was taking pictures of everything and anything. And then I accidentally fell into portraits too. I don't know. So portraits and music just kind of I just thought well I love it so I'll just see what happens type of thing I never went into it thinking oh you know oh maybe I can make some money from this or anything like that it was just a hobby really from day one so that's so cool that you managed to turn a hobby into a career so as a hobby did you ever take any type of classes or you kind of like learned on the way So when I was at college and uni, I was always very creative. So I I was very familiar with working with Photoshop. And there was another one at the time. I I don't think that exists anymore. And then eventually, when I was working at Apple, I started to use a program called Aperture. Again, that doesn't exist anymore. And then I kind of went to Lightroom. So a lot of it was, yeah, I had some insight into the software editing process. But a lot of it was just picking up by myself, to be honest. In terms of using a camera as well, that was all self-taught because I had no idea, you know, how to shoot in manual, for example. When I first started out, it was all in auto mode. And then I started to watch, you know, YouTube videos and I've got a few photography books and I just started to practice, really. The more that I practice, I found, oh, this is a lot clearer image. And so then I just sort of carried on just by shooting and practicing and editing more and more to find out you know to kind of come to a style if you like that's so cool that you learned all that just by doing it I feel like that's in the end the best way to do it so when you were pitching to work as a photographer for these concerts did you like present some work you did like a portfolio or 
Yeah, so I have a background in web design and development, very slight development. I wouldn't go, I wouldn't say I was a developer, but definitely web design. Again, the more creative side of things. And, you know, it's so easy to make a blog. And at that time, I just created a really simple website in Dreamweaver. I don't even know if Dreamweaver exists anymore, but it was just like a drag and drop sort of website creator. And then I created a free blog on WordPress. And what I do is just any work that I would shoot, whether it be music or portraits or just travel photography, because I went backpacking and that's where I sort of learned the most of my photography because I was traveling and taking photos. And then I just created that blog whilst I was traveling. And then when I came back, that's when I thought, oh, maybe I'll give photography a go because I couldn't find a job when I came back, to be honest. It took me the best part of a year to find a job just in retail because I came back in the recession. So what I'd do is just reach out to either the bands or the venue. And I'd just pick like my favorite pictures that I really liked. And I just attached them into the email, said, you know, here's a sample of the work. If you'd like to see more, here's a link to my website or blog. And that's what I did. I just sent them some examples and a link so that they can, you know, research it more if they wanted to. Is it the same process? I think I saw that you work with some magazines and festivals. Is it the same process pitching for them? So it's a little bit different with those guys. So in time, what happened was I did a lot of free work. And then the more that you shoot, the more sort of curated your work becomes, I guess, because you start to edit a certain way and the shots that you take, you've got like a signature look almost. Takes a while to get there. Yeah, so there's multiple ways of getting to shoot a show. So say, for example, you wanted to shoot at a festival. You can either try to reach out to the organisers of the festival and try and get in that way. So as if you were the photographer for that festival specifically, or you've got the option of reaching out to maybe one of the bands there and trying to get in with the band as opposed to the festival themselves. And the third way, I guess, would be publication. So if you're shooting for a music blog or a magazine and they are commissioning you, then that would be directly from the publication or the blog. So there's three ways of getting to shoot, say, a concert or a festival Okay, interesting. I never knew that. And that's the great thing about it. There's not just one way of doing it. So there are more opportunities available, depending on which route you go down. So you can reach out to those parties. Do you ever get jobs just through word of mouth or? Absolutely. So obviously, when you're first starting out, you may not necessarily have a large network around you. That's something that I really struggled with because Manchester, although it's we have a thriving music scene and the creative industry, it's not London at the end of the day. And London is where, you know, most of the major record labels are and so forth. So what I found is that I didn't have the right connections or the right network going in Manchester when I first started out. But what happens in time is that if you keep shooting and you keep connecting with people, what you realise is that actually the network is smaller than what you originally thought. So before you know it, you'll get referrals or word of mouth and then your bookings will start coming through that as well. The other thing is, is generally, regardless of where you are, the music scene is pretty tight. So one band might know another band and not only that, but management as well. They talk. So if you've done, say, press shots or live shoot for, you know, band A, they might be talking to band B who are looking for a photographer for their project and they might refer you. And, you know, if they've seen the pictures, they'll be like, oh, actually, yeah, I really love this, this work. So then they'll reach out and say, oh, we saw the pictures that you did for band A. And then obviously you can go in with your pitch then, depending on what the 
project or commission is and get a book in that way. That's awesome. Thank you so much for sharing that. Besides having a good portfolio, do you think just maintaining these connections and the relationship with people also contributes to finding work? Yeah, definitely. So the thing is, is with freelancing or self-employment or whatever you want to call it, is that you're constantly making new connections or new sales, if you like. So once you've made that connection, if you've worked with band A, it's about trying to keep that relationship going. So you do have to look after your clients, of course. Just because they've hired you once doesn't necessarily mean that they'll hire you again either. It's not a personal thing a lot of the time. At the end of the day, like... There's a lot of photographers out there, a lot of creatives, and it does take some time for a band or an artist to figure out, you know, what their brand is and what their sort of creative part of their brand will look like. So you can't take it personally that they may not hire you again, but you still need to keep that connection going. So whether, you know, whether you're sending follow-up emails every few months or sending a little something in the mail just to say thanks for hiring me or something like that. But the other thing is, is that people will hire you or come back to you because of your personality as well so if you've really connected with that person or that band and you get on really well they're more likely to come to you and that is it's not even something that you can really put on if that makes sense it's just an authentic sort of relationship I think people that you work work with and that comes in time it might not come overnight but it does take a little while to get there sometimes but that's a good place to be you know definitely need to look after your clients I think in this industry, you're just planting your seeds to take a while to grow until you actually start seeing the fruit of your results. So I really think it's true when you say cultivating relationships is so important because yeah, it's a business relationship. It's a relationship nonetheless that you need to maintain good terms with. So I like that you emphasize that. My next question to you is going into this industry, was there anything that surprised you about the industry I think for me it was realizing how small the network is so I didn't realize that you might have like 10 bands but they're all connected in one way or another so it might be that they've played on you know played a show for one another at some point or maybe the managers because managers talk the work that it's a tight-knit industry and it's really good if you're able to kind of work into that network and it is it can be a bit clicky but you need to be quite patient with it and you know if your work is good enough and you keep putting it out there you keep sort of marketing the things that you're doing and keep practicing and keep shooting the bigger opportunities that you may want to get they'll they will come to you but it definitely doesn't happen overnight some of my sort of bigger commissions have come through referrals when I didn't even think that someone would recommend me if that makes sense like I never even thought that oh this person would like give my details to someone that will mean that I can shoot my work for Jack Daniels in the UK and they'd go on to use it for social media so I think it's really you know important like I said before to work on your relationships and just you know be a nice person it's really really important to just be yourself really and hopefully that means being genuine sort of kind person yeah I totally agree with that just being your authentic self goes a long way in the end and I love the point that you bring up when you mentioned that your type of work is something you never thought someone else would like refer you for so did you suffer with like imposter syndrome I feel like that's something that's very prevalent in this industry I know I've gone through my own bouts of imposter syndrome 
Oh my God. Yeah, absolutely. Lisa. So even now, like even though I've been doing it for quite a few years now, I still get that. So pre-COVID, I had an email from one of the editors at Kerrang! Magazine. And for me, Kerrang! Magazine has always been like a bucket list thing. Like I always said, I would love to see my work in Kerrang! Magazine. And I get an email from, like I say, one of the editors. And I pulled down the email. And I thought, let me just reopen that. Is this genuinely from Kerrang! Magazine? Or is this like, you know, spam or something? And I thought, no way, no way. Like he's really reached out to me to shoot for the magazine. And even like... Even after having done quite a few bits of work for them, obviously this was pre-COVID and now I don't really know what's going to happen going forward. But even up until that point, I was just like, no way, my work's going to be in Kerrang! magazine. I still get it to this. Like COVID has it's been absolutely crazy, especially in the UK. Being, I mean, we've had like three lockdowns. We, you know, it's 18 months and we still don't really know what's going to happen the rest of the, you know, this year and next. But even now, you know, as soon as things have started to reopen, I've had past clients reach out to go and work with them or for them and I really just thought you know they've forgotten about me and I think imposter syndrome is always going to be there and I think it's good really because actually it keeps your feet on the ground and it you know stops you from getting a bit too over your head with things because there's a lot of people that have got like an ego I guess and it's easy to do sometimes when you get hired by certain clients but like I said before just because they've hired you once doesn't mean that they'll come back to you next time oh my god just everything you said right now I resonate so much with it and I definitely agree with it kind of helping keeping you humble I love how you kind of using it to put it in a positive light because yeah imposter syndrome is something that makes us doubt ourselves but I think like you said it does help with keeping us humble which I feel very much needed in this industry During COVID, I feel like our industry just came to this sudden stop. It's completely crashed over in the UK. Like the publications are all online and because there's not been any live events to cover, obviously. So that's like a huge chunk chunk of a lot of the music publications, at least. And when does it recover? And even now, like I say, we don't know what's going to happen over the next six months to 12 months. It's still very unstable. But at the same time, I think there's going to be a lot more opportunities popping up because, you know, these publications, the bands, the record labels, the management, they're going to have a budget in place for the whole year that they obviously didn't have any work on type of thing. You know, they weren't able to do a lot of these things. So I think it's got its pros and cons. Definitely the same thing here for the United States. It's been a real downer just to see how our industry had to be shut down. We're all about gathering. So obviously we're the first to go and one of the last industries to come back. So I wanted to ask, were there any kind of related to COVID, but were there any times where you ever felt like giving up on this career? Oh God, I feel like that all the time. Because <laughs> it's still it's freelancing and self-employment is very challenging. It's not for the faint, I don't think. It's constant. And yeah, I get that a lot even now. I don't think I would ever stop shooting though because I feel like I love it so much. It would take something really major for me to stop. And I still enjoy it even as a hobby. So I can't see myself ever quitting it. But the thing is, is with the internet, there's so many different things that you can do with this. So, you know, you might be a photographer or an events photographer. You can branch out to do online courses or set up your YouTube channel and teach that way. You can go to universities, colleges or schools to do lecturing that way. You've got so much experience, you know, when you're freelance or if you've got your own business, there's a lot of things that you can tap into. So you don't necessarily need to quit. It's just exercising different branches of your business to get more income, if that makes sense. So 
personally, I've done some college lecturing in the past. I've done other things with the education sector and with the BBC. So I can't, sometimes I do want to quit, but then there's just too many opportunities and quite exciting. So it keeps me going, I think, because it's not just the normal sort of nine to five type of thing. Yeah. And especially being a freelancer, you're kind of like your own boss in a way. So just being able to dictate like what gigs you want to take and I think that's one of the plus sides of freelancing in a way even though like you said it can be kind of you know stressful yeah you're totally right I do love the flexibility of it and that's something that I've really enjoyed over the years and more so over the last few years you know since I've started getting the clients that I really wanted to work with um and now that my son's like two year old now but when I had him in 2019 it was great to be able to freelance around him and even now that things are picking back up you know sort of post-covid if you like I can still do things in the evening around him and you know kind of manage my time so I can still be a parent to him but still have my work so it does it does bring in a lot of flexibility which which is a huge pro but like I say the financial part of it can be quite challenging sometimes because one month can be busier than the next and then you've got your peak season etc so no job is perfect I don't think uh, very true I do agree that no job is perfect So I love that you bring up the point about how you had to work around being a mom. So how have you had to change how you do things ever since you've had your son? So do you know what? Funnily enough, not a lot has changed. However, things got a bit more exhausting. (laughs) So for example, when you're shooting a show in the evening, dad get up early morning he's two now but the first year is very hard so the you know the babies are like feeding constantly and it's a lot of hard work but what I would do in that first year if he so in the evening my husband would get back from work about five-ish pretty much just hand him over and I'd go and get my kit sorted everything like that what would happen is I'd go and shoot the show if it was a show that I was shooting and be back home for like say 10-ish or 11 I'd just do the first three songs depends on the assignment and come home and then I would crack on with editing because um, the photos need to be turned in, especially for publications. They need to be with them for the morning. So I would just crack on with that. And I'd probably get to sleep about 12 or 1 o'clock in the morning. And then my son would be up around about 3 a.m. that first year. Because I wake up every three hours for feeding. And then <laughs> try and get some sleep between 3 and 6 or whatever time he would go back to sleep. And then we'd just do that. But although it was super exhausting, it was one of those things where it kept me sane at the same time. Because being a new mum is hard. So <laughs> although it sounds very crazy and full on, and it was, it was very, very hard. It kept me sane. And I didn't have to change much apart from, I guess, a lot more coffee (laughs) and caffeine in general. That's a lot to take on. And that's amazing that you're doing all that because toddlers are no joke. Toddlers are easier than the newborn phase. The newborn phase was exhausting. Like, Like looking back, especially having had this time, you know, with like COVID and stuff. I've had this conversation with quite a few friends. I was just like, I don't know how I did that first year after having him. And now, you know, going back to sort of freelancing now, it's been so hard because you've got used to not doing much for the 18 months, if that makes sense. And you just think, oh my God, like how crazy was that? Oh my God, totally agree with going back into the flow of things because I'm the same way. It's not related to like work or anything, but you know, one thing I really noticed 
during COVID that's changed is that people are really bad at driving now. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. We had this conversation too. Yeah. But honestly, like there's so many crazy people on the roads and literally like I've had so many conversations with friends about this. And even just where we live, there's been numerous car accidents and pedestrians as well being knocked uh, knocked over. And like, yeah, you're totally right. I think people have actually forgot how to drive. Yeah. It's really crazy. I feel like that's just like a small example, but overall having these people go back to work like you have to like retrain yourself how to do things is that something that you're going through currently or yeah like pretty much I mean with the July so I've been quite lucky this month there was a festival in Manchester so this was a previous client that I'd shot for in 2019 and I wasn't expecting them to reach out you know for like coverage this month because honestly didn't know what was going on with restrictions and things but doing that has been exhausting I had five dates that I shot for them over the 18 days and it was live music specific and it's been exhausting it's not even that late this is the thing so I would leave around 6 6 30 ish in the evening and I'd be back say 11 ish between 11 and half 11 do the edits and maybe go to bed the latest I went to sleep was at one o'clock but like I have been exhausted just by doing the five shows and I thought how did I do this like more frequently pre-COVID and everything <laughs> it's like not just the shoot itself but it's like the commuting too so driving into the city centre parking up and then walking to the thing is oh my god like I feel so lazy that it's crazy what I was doing pre-COVID to now and even shooting actually the first photo shoot that I had a few months ago after like what it was a good 15-16 months I felt like it was my first photo shoot ever like I was so nervous and so anxious about it and even with the concerts that I've just done for the festivals I felt like I was a novice and a newbie again like it, I don't know it's weird it's it's very very dystopian <laughs> I feel even being in like the photo pit it was just weird I was like what do I do again <laughs> oh my god yeah it's like you're doing everything for the first time yeah I have to commute too for like the venue I work at and I started doing that last week and oh my god like even the drive alone like how am I gonna do this I'm interested to see how it's going to be for everyone when like concerts are in full force again. <laughs> it's been crazy. Like even so when you're shooting on a camera, like it's not something I had experienced previously, I don't think, but my hands have been so sore. And I turned around to my husband, I was like, I don't understand what's going on with my hands. Like, why are they so sore? And then I put two and two together. I was like, right, this is the grip because I'm holding the camera for so long for a few hours. And my hand has clearly forgotten how to shoot for so long that, yeah, my hands have been physically sore from it. It's crazy. Oh, wow. Yeah. Just like your body telling you, it's like, what are you doing to me? Because they're like, my body is so used to like, just like keep being on my couch and <laughs> watching Netflix, you know? Yeah. <laughs> That's so funny. So how do you, how do you like relax? Like, what do you do to kind of like uh, balance out the work that you do and just be able to find, you know, time for yourself to de-stress? So it's, it's crazy because actually having so much downtime over the past like 18 months, I've been so ready to get back to it. I'm not the sort of person that likes to just you know, do nothing. But I mean, the thing is, because I look after my son full time, it's I'm never not doing anything, if that makes sense. So in the evenings, as soon as my husband gets back at like five ish or whatever time he'll get back, I literally just hand him over. I'm like, here you go, he's yours. <laughs> and then we'll obviously we'll have dinner and stuff. But then at least so in the morning, I wake up quite early naturally. So between five and six, I'm usually up. So that first one hour or two hour of the day is just mine just to relax and get my head straight and then all day I'm with my toddler go 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 
and then five o'clock to about seven ish we'll do like dinner or whatever we're gonna do and then past seven o'clock till nine or ten whatever time I go to sleep I'm quite an early bird so I like to go sleep early I'll just either read or just sit in silence or whatever something that's just going to tune me out because you definitely need to switch off don't you from your daily sort of routine and you know looking after a two-year-old is like a full-time job in itself so going back to like shoot it's actually easier to be working than looking after him so <laughs> it's uh it's, it's one of them <laughs> oh my god yeah I'm like easily 14 year difference between me and my youngest sibling and so I remember having to constantly like help my mom when I was a teenager with my siblings because it's it's a lot of work big props to moms everywhere because it is not an easy thing to do at all and like you said it is a full-time job you're constantly having to take care of this other like small human yeah I just think being able to find an outlet where you can just kind of tune out the world is super important definitely I think reading is a great one for me personally and if I you know just maybe watch a movie or just like a tv show or something on Netflix or you know whatever channel I want to watch it on and also just exercise too because I do love working out so that has been really good to get back to as well so there's a few different things and obviously now that things are reopening it's nice to kind of maybe go cinema or something like that yeah I agree I I didn't realize how much I like doing these random things around town like going to the movies and stuff until COVID happened I'm like wow yeah definitely this is the thing it's like there's Cineworld um which is like a massive chain of cinemas in the UK I don't know if it's abroad too maybe I don't know but they do like an unlimited pass like a monthly fee and we used to have one and the thing is because you're paying like a monthly fee you go and see more movies don't you because you think well I may as well because I've already paid for it and I used to go cinema at least once a week if not twice and all that stops obviously but now like I'm so lazy to even go there it's crazy <laughs> like in the evening I'm just like oh it's fine I'll just stay in bed and watch tv but actually I should probably go back to the cinema because I loved it <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> same I feel like I'm so mentally lazy just like the thought of doing something I'm just like wow this is tiring just even thinking of doing that yeah yeah even just thinking about it never mind physically getting there <laughs> <laughs> yeah. that's awesome so we're coming close to the hour it's been such a joy to be able to talk to you one thing I really wanted to ask was is there any advice that you have for others who are looking to go into this field that you work I would really just say start from the basics so I mean some people are lucky enough to know people in the industry so you know you might be if you are at college or university something like that it's easier to get access to venues as a student so if you are a student play that card and just say you know I'm a student doing whatever course you're doing etc and pitch it to the venue or the band or management of the band and try getting that way practice as much as you can so even if you've got like a phone with a great camera on it practice your composition you know with just daily pictures it doesn't have to necessarily be music or portraits just any practice that you can get in under different conditions of light just do that and then when you are shooting music you know start small start at the 
underground venues that you've got access to maybe in your local city or your town wherever you're based don't be afraid to reach out like to the promoters at the venue emails do get ignored so if you're able to pick up a phone and speak to someone at the venue do that it's more personalized and you know people will remember you a lot more if they spoke to you on the phone or go and speak to them in person if you're able to do that now with things reopening don't be afraid to approach in person basically because people buy from people and it's a great way to obviously network and build relationships offline with these people what else I would say is every photographer should have like a website or a blog and on that website and blog you need to be implementing SEO to make sure that you're going to pop up when people are looking for music photographers in the area so definitely do that have like a strong portfolio online that people can find you using SEO and basically don't be afraid to reach out to publications or music blogs because even if they don't reply to I mean I've had so many knockbacks the main thing is that you keep going so even if you don't hear back from say a magazine editor right now it doesn't mean that they are not going to hire you in 12 months time 24 months time it could be five years down the line so always keep that open and you know try not to take it personally because if you think of how many emails these people get it's crazy so again if you are pitching to you know the bigger publications etc think outside the box maybe send something physical in the mail to them also personalize it to the person that you are trying to contact or speak to find out the names which department they work for etc also don't be an arsehole like you're just a photographer at the end of the day so there's no point of being a certain way because like I say it can be quite a clicky industry and people talk and it's a very small industry regardless of where you are it is it's a tight-knit community so you need to be you know just be authentic but don't be a dick because there's plenty of people out there actually what's funny is I'm going off here a little bit but I've been told by quite a few people actually that I'm a genuinely nice person and what was crazy was the fact that when I was told this, I just thought that was a really strange thing to say. And it kind of puts you, it puts that into perspective for you as to how many, I guess, people are maybe out there that have a bit of an ego or something. And it is a turn off. It's not a nice thing. So just be nice and genuine, really. And photo pit etiquette as well. Always look out for the photographers in the pit instead of stepping on their toes because that's not a nice thing to do. Oh my God, you just covered so many bases right now. I was literally just like taking notes. I'm like, how do I start my own concert? <laughs> like, this is a gold mine. <laughs> also, the other thing I would say is like, don't, I mean, you can work for free for however long you want. The thing is though, is this comes back to imposter syndrome. Don't be afraid to put a price on your work because the thing is, is that, you can be shooting for say five years and not be paid anything so it's not up to someone to pay you it's about you positioning yourself as an expert or you know a skilled person in the area that you're working in as a photographer and having the confidence to make sure that you're being paid whether it's like however much you're comfortable with you know because it takes time for you to raise your prices etc but definitely don't be afraid to charge for your services even early on because your worst picture might be someone's best picture that someone's taken if that makes sense and we're always our own worst critics so the photos that even I personally take I'll look at them thinking oh my god but then I've had like other people love the photos that I've really not been a fan of so definitely don't be your worst critic and definitely put a value and a price on your services because we're not here working for free for life yeah I totally agree with that for me working for concerts I started off volunteering and I volunteered for a pretty 
long time before someone just said to me, he's like, you know, like, you have enough experience now, you should be paid to do the work that you do. And I just felt like I'm being paid by the experience. But at some point, you do realize like the work is hard, and you're putting in so many hours that yeah, you should at one point start charging or being paid for what you do. And and this is the thing is that I think a lot of people start, I mean, I made the same mistake, really. I did, I did a lot of stuff for free, but I didn't, maybe about a year, if that, but it wasn't myself that thought I'll charge for this. It was an ex-colleague at the time who was doing a music project and he was like, oh, I'll, ch- I'll pay you for your time, of course. And I was like, oh, wait, what? wait a minute. So this guy, like he wants to pay me. So yeah, you know, no one knows these things overnight. However, looking back on it, yeah, absolutely. But the thing is, is that if you don't know the business side of things and you don't know to position yourself as a business or a freelancer, it's the same thing, just a different term, then you're not going to ask for money for your time, are you? And I think this is where creatives get it wrong, is that you're so, you know, passionate about the photos that you're taking or the music that you're making or your videos or your film, whatever it is that you're doing, that you forget the business side of it. But actually, it's the people that are good at business and are good at marketing that are making money from, you know, doing what they love to do. So that's another thing is that learn the business and the marketing side of things as a photographer and then keep doing what you're doing creatively, but definitely work on your logic as well because that's how you're going to make you know an income from it and they pay really well there's a lot of people that will say oh oh, there's a lot of competition but actually there's a competition in everything that you do what is it that sets you apart from other people what is it that you're bringing to the table with your skills your photos that you're taking and are you educating your potential client as to the value of hiring you over your competitor another photographer down the road they might still work in the music industry they might be doing whatever they're doing but what's different about you and do you know what Lisa the thing is is that 99% of the time they'll hire you because of your personality and that they click with you too it's not always your work your work can come secondary sometimes or they'll give you a chance because they've really liked you as a person and I think these things it's not something that comes overnight it's through experience that you'll get to learn and we all make mistakes you've got to learn haven't we from mistakes but I think that we do undersell ourselves a lot and it's that contrast between working for someone and working for yourself because you know we've been taught from a very young age you go to school college uni if you choose the traditional path so you're always working for someone aren't you so how do you take a step to the side and sell yourself if that makes sense as opposed to selling the company that you work for or represent and it's you that you're representing and that's hard to I totally agree with that. One of my mentors is something she recently always telling me is like the hardest thing to do is to just put yourself out there because you're being vulnerable. And that's something a lot of people struggle to do. I feel like it does come with time, like you mentioned. Exactly that. And especially now with social media, etc. The marketing, there's so many free marketing platforms that will get your name out there for you. But as a photographer, SEO on your website is so key, you know, to target at least the local areas that you're going to work in. So people can find you when they are looking for the photographer for music or wedding, whatever photography you want to do. And it doesn't necessarily mean that you have to put yourself out, you know, constantly either. Like your blog can be updated like once a week. If you're not comfortable, you know, being on Instagram Live or anything like that, it's not a problem. Just focus on your website. There's different methods of marketing that can bring in revenue for you and your leads, which you can then convert into bookings, of course. So there's always there's always going to be something that works best for one photographer versus another. 
and it's just trial and error to see what works for you and what doesn't type of thing and then trying to just leverage that totally agree just we're all like different people so obviously what works for one person isn't going to work for another and I exactly it's not like a personal thing at the end of the day they're just doing what they're doing and you're doing what you're doing and comparison is the thief isn't it I can't remember the exact quote right now it's gonna be on me but there's no point comparing your work or your story to someone else here someone might have been doing it for however long five years someone might have been doing it for a month but they know the right contacts at this place you can't compare it really all you can do is do you know do your best do what you love to do and then keep promoting it as long as you're showing up every week or month or whatever you're blogging or whatever it is that you're doing then you'll get the bigger and better opportunities as and when i love that thank you i feel like you just left so many amazing gems of advice for not just like photographers but like i feel like anyone in general just talking to you i'm just like wow yeah this is great i love talking to you Preeti. thank you so much again for uh, being here today a wonderful conversation thank you so much again for coming thank you so much for having me lisa really enjoyed it and hopefully yes hopefully some photographers or other people will get some nuggets of inspiration from it and help <laughs> to move forward in their freelance journey or self-employment journey yeah thank you yeah this has been awesome and i hope you have a great rest of your day Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of Women Advancing Live. If you enjoyed the conversation, make sure to give a follow here on Spotify. You can also follow us over on Instagram at Women Advancing Live to stay updated with all news and content. Also, definitely make sure to follow Preeti over on Instagram and Twitter at PeaceyGotraPhoto and check out her amazing work at PeaceyGotra.com. That's it for today. Until next time.